Well, amen. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Are you glad? Amen. It's good to be saved. Know you're going to heaven. And if you don't know that this morning, if you don't know that you're going to heaven, listen by. You can. We'll take a Bible, show you during the invitation how you can receive Christ your Savior. What a day. We praise the Lord for the opportunity to, to preach the Lord. You know, I, they don't let me sing with them. Uh, I've offered several times. They, they politely refuse, and then I push a little bit, and then they don't get supplied about it, and then they won't let me sing with them. But then they started telling me I can't tell my jokes anymore, said they're no good. And uh, so I guess I'll just stay with preaching. Amen? <laughs> And I'm not going to listen to them if they say anything about the preaching part. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 39. Isaiah chapter 39. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to this morning. Isaiah chapter 39. Isaiah chapter 39. Begin reading verse 1. It says, And at the time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold, the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, said, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. That last verse that we read will be our text this morning. Verse 8 says, Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Just as long as my days are good. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. And we ask, Lord, that you be with us this morning. Lord, we do pray for Aaron and Wendy and Jerry and the family, Lord, with the loss of, of Sherry. I pray that you'd comfort them, Lord. But, Lord, what a peace it is to know that she's in heaven, that she'd put her faith and trust in you many years ago. Now, Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen them, be with them. But, Lord, I pray this morning that you'd be with us this morning. I pray that you'd speak to hearts and lives. No doubt, Lord, in a a crowd this size, Lord, and even with the kids downstairs, Lord, there's those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If they were to die today, they do not know that they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray that today would be that day, that they'd come and receive you as their Lord and Savior. But Lord, I pray right now that you'd speak to our hearts. Give me wisdom. Give me liberty. Holy Spirit, would you work? Would you move? Give me the words to say. 
And Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ will be lifted up. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, hide me behind the cross. May Jesus Christ be glorified. Lord, you said if you'd be lifted up, you draw them into you. And we ask that this might take place even today. We know that you spoke of the cross. But Lord, we realize if we lift you up, you'll draw people unto you. Have your will way into preaching thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. As we look at this, Isaiah is revealing all that's, that will happen in the future here to Judah. And the reason that it's going to happen is because Judah had sinned against God. They had turned away from the Lord. We got a split kingdom here. You got Judah you got, and you got Israel. But he's dealing with Judah here, and Hezekiah is a king, and, and Hezekiah had been sick, and uh, even unto death, and the Lord healed him and allowed him to live, uh, give him another 15 years. We'll deal with that a little bit later, but then he, the, the king of Babylon sent some men to send a present and say, we heard that you're doing better and everything, you know, kind of like what we do, send a, get a card or some, something to somebody. And Hezekiah took these men through all his kingdom, and he showed them absolutely everything that he had in his kingdom. He was kind of bragging, you might say. He's letting them know, hey, look what I've got, look what I've done. And he showed them absolutely everything. But that's not the reason that the, that the judgment is coming upon Judah. It was prior to that that their kings and the people had turned from the Lord and they'd done wickedly. And now we come up to this day where Hezekiah, which was a good king, but now even in this situation, though, it, his pride steps in. And, and even that will be judged by God. And so Isaiah comes, he said, listen, he said, There's gonna, Babylon's going to come. And they're going to do just exactly what they saw. They're going to take everything that you've got, everything you showed them, your riches, your people, even your sons. They're going to cause them to serve. Some of them going to go in, they're going to go into captivity. They're going to, they're going to be uh, eunuchs uh, and serve under the king there. Many of them are going to die. The people's going to die. And so he brings to them and he shows them that. And, and here, so there's the, a sure judgment. And the judgment there, look at verse 5 there. It says, Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And notice what he says here. This is really kind of grips you a little bit. He says, and thy sons that shall issue from thee. You say, preacher, what's he saying that shall issue? They, they hadn't been born yet. They were, they were going to be born. In fact, uh, if you read on, you'll find that his son Manasseh, which turned out to be a wicked king, wasn't born at that time because the Lord gave him 15 years and Manasseh took over the kingdom at 12 years old. And so these are the sons that are, about, that are going to come into his life. He said, you're the sons that's going to come from you and your family and so forth. But he says, which thou begast, they shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Otherwise, they're going to go into captivity. Uh, you say, well, preacher, what would that be like? Would it be like this? And I don't know how you feel about what's going on, but I'm going to tell you something. You better be thinking about what, what's in front of us in this day and time. Uh, China could take over. Oh, preacher, that couldn't happen to America. Oh, yeah, it could. People better wake up. Russia could take over. Oh, preacher, they, they, they're having enough trouble with Ukraine. Yeah, but they got a lot of people on their side now. And we're so weak in, in, in many respects in our highest offices that won't take a stand and do what's right. 
And my friend, I'll tell you something. When a nation turns from God, God himself will even fight against the nation. So I don't believe that happened. Look at Israel. God's own people. And he said, listen, he said, if you won't follow me, he said, even I will fight against you. You say, preacher, is that going to happen? I can't tell you what's going to happen. I'm just telling you that you could understand that here the, uh, Hezekiah is getting the message from the Lord by Isaiah that Babylon's going to come in and they're going to take everything captive, going to even haul away his sons and his family and the people in, 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 in Judah there and going to take everything that they got, the gold, the silver, and everything that they've got. Well, Hezekiah gives a very calloused response. Look at verse 8 with me again. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. His response was one of agreement, you might say, with the Lord. Say, okay, I, I, yeah, I understand the Lord. So, okay, I, I have to submit to that. That's the way it's going to be. Yet it's a selfish response. No, sir, let me paraphrase it and get you a little understanding here. He's saying this, the word of the Lord is true and right because the judgment's got to come. But at least it's not going to happen in my day. But at least it's not going to happen to me. It may happen to my kids. It may happen to my grandkids. It may happen to my great-grandkids. But at least it's not going to affect me. It's not going to bother me. And things are going to go good for me in my days. The Lord had given him 15 years. He's, he's saying that it's good even though his sons and his family one day were going to go into captivity uh, uh, along with the people of Judah. Many, many here today say, man, that's callous. That's hard. How could you, you, you're not worried about your grandkids and your great-grandkids or even your kids. You're not worried. You're a king and you're not worried about, uh, about, uh, about the people that you're over. Boy, that's callous. I'm glad that we don't have it. people like that in rule. <laughs> Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> and a lot of what we see from the high up is because they just want it good in their day, but they're not too concerned about the future. They're not thinking about when the Lord's going to return. They're not thinking about living in such a way that God will magnify uh, the, the nation again. The Bible says righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And in America today, we, we're living under sin and we're living in a wicked way and we're, we're condoning all the abominations, what God calls abominations, and we're condoning all the wickedness and the vileness. And you say, well, preacher, I understand that. Yeah, but listen, we're taking it into the church and we're acting as though it's okay in the church, and it's not. It's not. I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about the sin. You see, the fact is, is that the Lord might even say to us, as Christians in the church, how could they be so calloused and unconcerned about their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, and those in their towns and their cities? You see, God's given us the Word of God that we hold in our hands this morning. He's given us the Holy Spirit that dwells within us if you're saved this morning. That gives us an understanding of what's going to come and what's going to take place. Where He shows us uh, that He'll pour out His wrath on those who reject Jesus Christ. You see, we've got to be careful or we become calloused and we become unconcerned in our day and time. It's like, well, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but, so I'm okay. 
Yeah, but what about your children? What about your grandchildren? What about your great-grandchildren? I'll be honest with you, I'm not too worried about myself or what takes place in the world. I think more about my children and my grandchildren. And I, and I worry for them. And then I, I, I look around in, in our community and I see people who, who, who have no idea. Yesterday, or, uh, Friday, as I stood there by the, the bed of Sister Sherry, and she'd passed. I got to the hospital. She'd passed probably about 10 minutes or so before I got there. 10, 15 minutes. And I stand there with uh, Aaron and, and Jerry and they had had uh, Wendy on, on, on FaceTime and, and we was talking. I had prayer with them. And the exact same thing that I've said so many times, Erin looked up at me and she said, she said, I, I'm okay. She said, Everything, everything's all right. She said, I know where mom's at. She said, I just don't see how the lost world can face days like today. Where they don't know where their family member, their, their, their loved one's at. And they have to face all that by themselves without the, the hand of the Lord in their lives. Yes, there's a brokenness, but there's a peace because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where that loved one is if they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you know that you'll get to see him again if, you're, if you know Christ as your Savior. And yet we're living in a day and time when it seems as though the church and Christians have become so calloused. It's very similar to what Jesus was talking about, about a man who fell among thieves. And Luke chapter 10, verse 30 says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem unto, uh, to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departing, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Goes on, he says, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place that uh, he came and he looked and, uh, on him and passed by on the other side. But there was a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came there uh, where he was and saw him and had compassion on him. And what I see today in many instances is that we can, you know, we sit in our pews and we, we can hear the preaching of God's Word and we can hear the singing of those songs that lifts up the Lord and magnifies Him and glorifies Him. And, and we can get up and we can walk out those doors and all week long never talk to anybody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Never share the gospel with anybody. Never try to get them to come to church. Never try to point them to Jesus Christ and just kind of go through our world and realizing that we know what the Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming back soon in the air to catch us out of here. The witness of God is going to be gone. And, and there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a, a seven-year tribulation period that's going to come upon the, on, the, on the earth. And there's going to be devastation and, and, and destruction. And, and people are going to go through that. And, and yet we, day in and day out, we work with people, our co-workers, our acquaintances, and, and our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And we, we fail to get on our knees and pray and seek God. And we fail to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. We need revival in the church and we need revival in our our homes. We need revival in our lives as Christians and we need to get busy because Jesus is coming back. Amen. So many times we are calloused. We think, well, somebody else will tell them. Somebody else will talk to them. Somebody else will get the word of God to them. Those first two that came through, that Levite and that priest, they were religious leaders. 
Yet they were unconcerned. They were callous. They were cold-hearted to, to the man and left, along, uh, and left him and, and went to the other side of the road. And the man was wounded. He needed help. This world needs help. Well, we just recently preached a message on the Lord is my helper. You know what? The greatest help that you can have is not somebody that's got all kinds of money. The greatest help you have is not somebody that's got great abilities. The greatest help that you can have is not somebody that's got the answers for you. The greatest help you can have is the God of heaven. Amen. To take care of the need that you have in your life. It's not about us. It's not about the things that we can amass. But it's about the Lord Jesus Christ lifting him up and magnifying him and glorifying him so that others can know him as their Lord and Savior. I fear that many Christians of our day are living with a calloused, unconcerned heart for others. Many times our preachers are standing in pulpits and preaching feel-good messages and just wanting people just to feel good when they go home. Can I tell you something? It's not my job to make you feel good. It's not my job to make you happy. It's not my job to, to pat you on the back. It's my job to tell you the straight out truth. And this world doesn't want the truth anymore. They want somebody to pat them on the back and say, you're going to be all right. Can I tell you something? You go to a doctor, you don't want to just walk in there. You got something going on. And he goes, you're all right. Well, what's this pain and what's this problem that I'm having? Why is this? You're okay. Well, what are we going to do? But don't worry about it. Man, I love your hair. <laughs> I'll not get that response. <laughs> no, we want them to tell us the truth because we want to get something done about it. And what's needed today is for us as pre preachers and as Christians in general, all of us is to be honest and, and love people enough to tell them the truth. So many times, uh, you've, you've, met a, you've met somebody, maybe a friend, or maybe not a friend or somebody, and they got something on their face. They've been eating, and uh, you thought maybe they was trying to get it in by osmosis, you know, let it grow in, but anyway, they got it on their face, and you're kind of looking at them like, I get that look. <laughs> you get that look. <laughs> Sometimes at home, Hunter and I, would be sitting there, and of course, we've both got a little, little hair on our face, and... She needed to look at us and she'll. Hunter's response is, I'm saving it for later. Don't bother me. <laughs> but you don't want to go out that way with food all over your face. You want somebody to tell you. You want somebody to, to, to care enough that how your appearance is and, and what's taking place in your life. And, but more than that, you ought to, we ought to want to care enough about people to tell them about Jesus Christ. But like Hezekiah, we know what's ahead of us in the near future. There in verse 5 he says, And then said Isaiah the Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all this, all, all that is in, the, in thine house, and that is, which is thy father's, have laid up in store unto this day, shall be carried to Babylon, and nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And thy sons shall, that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall be, shall they take away? And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king. He's saying captivity's coming, enslavement's coming, even death. And they'll be removed from, the, from their home and their nation. That's a terrible and cold thing and callous to, to be uh, that way and not care about it, especially when you know that that's coming to your kids and to the future uh, of the nation that you're over and, and you don't care enough to really get stirred about it. 
But Christian, as I said before, we know what's coming. We know what's coming. We know what's coming to those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Can I just be kind enough to say this this morning in case somebody here doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior? Without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have no hope for eternity. You're going to die without Jesus Christ. And you're going to drop off into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You'll have a immortal body that will last forever and you will feel the pain forever. You'll be separated from God. You'll be separated from those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Ever. See, well, preacher, you're just trying to scare people. No, I'm just trying to warn. We've got to get serious today. The time, the clock is kicking that is clicking down. And, and be honest with you, even if the Lord doesn't come back for 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 a hundred years, we're gonna die. Well, preacher, I'll get saved some other time. You can't guarantee me you got tomorrow. You can't guarantee me you got this afternoon. I got the phone call or the text message. They put Sister Sherry in ICU Thursday afternoon. I done talked to Erin at about 1, 12, 1 o'clock. She was doing good. About 5 o'clock, I get a text. They've moved her to ICU. I said, and I got up, I went home and turned around and went right back to the hospital. And she was struggling, breathing and everything. We had prayer with her. She, was, she opened her eyes and she spoke a, a few words to me. The best she could. She had uh, a ventilator and stuff. Or uh, tubes in her. And so then I uh, had prayer with the family and I left. About, that, about 6, 7 o'clock at night, I don't remember exactly what time it was. Uh, get another text. They're transporting her to Boone. I text back, is she worse? Aaron said, yes. Friday morning. My phone's laying on the desk and I'm, I'm visiting with a man and inviting him to church and talking to him out in, out in the children's church out, out there and, and stuff. And, and somewhere around 8.30 or so, I, get a, I hear my phone ding in there and, and, it's, a, and it's a text. And, and pretty soon I, get another, I hear another one and I got done talking to him. I went and looked and, and first of all, it was Heather. She said, do you know that uh, S Sister Sherry's only got 24 to 36 hours to live? And then I looked at the other text, and it was Aaron. She texted me and said that uh, they're not giving Mom much time. So I texted Aaron and said, I'm on my way. I left here right after I got that text, headed to Columbia. By the time I walked into the room, so Sherry's already gone. Can I tell you something? The Bible says that your, your life is as a vapor that appeareth for a, a little time, a short time, and vanisheth away. It's like watching a, a teapot and the steam comes up out of the spout like that and just disappears. That's what life is like. It's that short. And you never know where it's going to disappear. And that's why you need to know for certain today that you're going to heaven. And, and you need to make sure that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior because without Him you have no hope of tomorrow and eternity. It's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can be a good person. You can do all kinds of good things. You can join the church. You can be baptized. You can put money in an offering. You can do all kinds of good things. But my friend, without Jesus Christ, you'll never spend eternity in heaven. That's why we need to be concerned. Because all around us, people, they may go to church. 
Say, preacher, well, we go to church. Can I tell you something? Sitting in this room, we look around, everybody looks nice today, and, you know, lighting's really clean up nice. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Every mom, every dad, every grandma, every grandpa, I'll be asking one another and asking their children, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, do you know Jesus Christ, your Savior? We ought, to be, we ought to be doing all that we can to get, get our, 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 our families in church and see the Lord and, and, and receive Christ as their Savior. That captivity was coming. And we know that besides all that's coming, there's a, there's a tribulation period. Hebrews 9.27 says, As it appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment... We know that according to the word of God that there's a seven-year tribulation coming where God pours out his wrath upon unbelieving man. You say, well, preacher, if I'm lost during that time, I'll get saved. No, you won't because you done hear, heard me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ and how you could be saved. The Bible says that you'll believe a lie and be damned. Because you've rejected Jesus Christ. Well, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get saved one day. Genesis chapter 6 says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. He'll not always deal with you. And my friend, unless the Lord draws you, you can't get saved. There should be a great stirring in our hearts for the lost world. Hezekiah's feelings were really self-centered. When Hezekiah heard from the Lord, he was sick and he was, that, and it was told that he was going to die and he was broken hearted about it. If you, would, if you backed up in chapter 38, you'll find the incidents because those men came after he had, had, had been healed of, of, the, of his sickness. But in chapter 38, you find Hezekiah sick. It says in those days, verse 1 says in those days, Hezekiah uh, was Hezekiah sick unto death. And I, as Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came unto him. And said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And notice what it says, And Hezekiah wept sore. He was broken hearted. He was going to die. And he was praying and seeking God. Verse 4 says, Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David and thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. Hezekiah wept for himself. He prayed. And he begged God for deliverance. And God gave him 15 more years. But then we get over to chapter 39. And verse 8 says, And Hezekiah uh, then said Hezekiah to, to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and, and truth in my land. Look at it. Nowhere does it say that Hezekiah was brokenhearted, prayed and asked the Lord to, to hold off his judgment, to spare his children, his grandchildren, great-grandchildren of the people. Nowhere does it say that he shed any tears. He said... Well, it's the word of the Lord. That's what's going to happen. 
But at least, whew, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen in my day. Can I tell you something? Sad to say, many Christians sit in churches just like this every Sunday. And they know that the Lord's coming back. They know the judgment of God that's going to fall on the unbelieving. They know that what's going to take place. And really, their response, not their words, they want people to get saved. I'm not saying they want people to get saved. But really by their response, they're saying, glad it's not going to happen to me. Glad that's not coming my way, Alan. Me and you are going to be out here, buddy. We'll just let them worry about it. Say, preacher, that's cold, that's calloused. Then let me ask you a question. This past week, how many people did you tell about the Lord Jesus Christ? How many people did you give the gospel to? How many people did you invite to church? I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying, hey, listen, we all, we all, including this preacher, we need to wake up. We've become calloused in our day and time. And oh, how we need to get the gospel out. How we need to be sharing with others and, and caring about our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren, our, our other relatives, and uh, our, our co-workers, and, and our acquaintances, and, and it really anybody that we can come into contact with that we can have a voice to, that we need to try to be some type of witness to them, and, and at, the, at the very least, try to get them into church so that they hear the gospel. The psalmist said in Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with, uh, with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I'm old enough to know what it used to be like in churches and people get on the altar and pray and weep over family members, loved ones friends, co-workers, and literally hear them weeping and crying. Many times they have their Bibles open and you get up and you look down and that, that Bible's got, got drops of tears that's landed on that Bible as they was praying and weeping over their families and over a loved one or maybe a spouse or, or a child and, or, or just people in general, different ones. They were moved. I'm going to say something here that's going to make probably some people mad. We can weep over a tear-jerking movie, but we don't weep over a soul going to hell. Say, preacher, are you mad this morning? You better believe it. I'm mad at the devil. But boy, I sure am glad I'm saved. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Amen. I'm glad I know that, that He's my Savior. I'm glad I know Him. In Jude, verse 22 and 23, it says, And some have compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You see, the need of our day is to get real and to get serious about the day that's coming. 
the coming of the Lord. We need revival. We need a stirring again. We need a moving again in our hearts and lives. We need to, we need to start filling the altars again and, and calling on the Lord to do something. Just like Hezekiah, man, he flipped over in that bed when he found out he was going to die. He flipped over in that bed and he began to call unto the Lord and he, he got down to business. And he wept. The Bible says he wept sore. He was sobbing. And God seen his heart and heard his prayer and said, I've seen your tears. He says, Hezekiah, I'm going to give you 15 more years. What would happen if a church like this, I don't know how many's in this auditorium this morning. What if a church this size, if we would get on our faces and begin to weep and call on God for our families, for our, our friends, for this town, for this county, for this area. What could God do? Great and mighty things. Preacher, I got a wayward child. Man, I'd find a place and start calling on God. Preacher, my, my spouse saved. I'd get, I'd get on an altar and I'd start calling on God. I'd start weeping. Well, you know, maybe one of these days they'll get... How do you know they got one of these days? How do we know what we've got? We don't. We have no idea how much time is left. And so we must seek the Lord. We need, we need revival. We need to draw nigh to God again and, and really see our hearts broken again. Get on that altar again for our families and friends and all around us, the lost, the wayward Christians, and, and get our tears and our compassion back and, and live for the Lord as if He's coming today. You say, why, why as if He's coming today? Because He could. Oh, preacher, we've been hearing that for years. Can I tell you something? That means it's a lot closer. The Bible says, in an hour that you think not... The Son of Man cometh. My friend, you look around, you talk to people, and, and they don't think he's coming back right now. That's sign number one. They don't think he's coming back. Think got another day, got another week, got another year, got several years. He's not coming back now. I've heard that. My grandpa, my great-grandpa used to say that. Can I tell you something? Israel fulfilled... One of the last prophecies in 1948, May 14th, they become a nation. God said they had to become a nation so that they could come back to that nation. And they become that state, that state. I don't call it a state. There was always a nation, but come back to that state. And now he, he said that he will draw them back, and they've been drawn back. He said that he would flourish that. It is a, is the, they're called, it's called the fig tree. And, and he said, I'll flourish it. And, and, and if you look... Israel, in many respects, is one of the envies of the world right now. And Russia and all these other countries are looking at that and wanting the many things that are in Israel right now. They have resources that, that a lot of these other countries don't have. They have prosperity that a lot of these other uh, countries don't have. And, and they want it. You go to Ezekiel chapter uh, 38 and, and 39, you'll find the Ezekiel 38 uh, uh, battle that takes place there as uh, Russia and some of the other countries come down into, into Israel and on the mountains there and God will destroy them. We're getting close. During this Ukraine war, China, who was always at odds with Russia, are now packed buddies. A lot of these other countries, Russia used to hate Islam. 
But you look at this Chechen warlord that's helping Russia. He is a Muslim. And they are hand in hand with all the Muslims. They put out a plea for Kazakhstan to come and help them fight in this battle. Hmm. I thought they were Muslim. Yeah. And they're getting their alliance built. Say, preacher, what's got to happen? Nothing. We're just waiting for the shout to take us out Amen. in the rapture. And we better be ready. But we better make sure that our families and our friends are ready too. Oh, we need a revival. We need a stirring again. We need God to do a great and mighty work again in our hearts and lives. If we don't tell them, we're going to be held accountable one day. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest uh, to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life from the same wicked man, uh, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. If thou, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from the wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Oh, how we need. I'm going to close with this. Run out of time. Over in England, several years ago, I've got it somewhere in my office in one of the books, in a steel plant in England. They was working on hot steel. The hot steel, they would pour that and it would cool to a certain temperature. It was in the mold and it would come out. They would, on a chain deal, they would come out. That steel was still red hot and they would come out like that. And a man was working a, a catwalk and he had a, a, some type of iron a, a pole of some sort. And, and it was his part of his job was to help push that, that steel along. And he was up way up high on this catwalk. He got it out towards the end where it would take and turn and he slipped and he fell off that catwalk and landed on his back on that piece of red hot steel immediately it burned the flesh it burned the clothes he was screaming and hollering and they took a hook that, that they used to push it along and drug him off of it and he was laying there and, and screaming in pain and the people gathered around him and he said somebody Somebody tell me how to go to heaven. I'm dying. Tell me how to go to heaven. Somebody. And all that crowd of people, they stood there and they watched him. And he died begging for somebody to tell him how to go to heaven. The writer of that story said that there was Christians in that group. And they'd never step forward to help this man know how to receive Christ. Say, preacher, that's terrible. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter whether you're dying from a falling on a hot piece of steel or whether you're just walking through life without Christ. Somebody needs to tell you. 
and we're the ones that need to tell them. Let's not be calloused. But all this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I beg of you, I plead with you. You don't know what tomorrow holds. I plead with you, come during the invitation. Every head's going to be bowed. Every eye's going to be closed. It's not something that's going to embarrass you. I will just take a Bible and, and, and sit down and, and go through the Word of God and show you how you can receive Christ as your Savior. But I plead with you, receive Christ. Because the Lord's coming back. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for loving us. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, I wish there was more time. There's more I'd like to say about magnifying you and living for you and glorifying you and, and, and just how good you are to us and how much you love us. And, and Lord, I don't want it to be just a, a negative message. I want people to know who, who you are and how wonderful you are as a Savior. Lord, would you work in hearts and lives this morning, save the lost, encourage the Christian, stir our hearts to get the Word of God out to reach people with the gospel. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your head?